Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. Let's rock and roll this. Woo! Here comes the rocket from center. Crosses the blue line. Moves it on goal. Shoots. He scores. Hendrick scores. Hendrick Sedin on the power play, and it's 3-0. Sven Berchi with the power play goal. One second left in the penalty. It wasn't the power play which ended up costing the Vancouver Canucks. Spencer scores! What a pass! It's an eight-game point streak for Brock Besser. And the Canucks have scored on their last three power plays. It's 4-0. Hey guys, welcome to the PP1 Podcast. I'm your host, Braden Ursel, and this is episode eight. We have a very special guest that we want to introduce soon. We're doing a phone call with Chris Faber from Canucks Conversation and Canucks Army. We're really excited about that. We're co-workers, um, me and him. But I'm here with uh, Ryan Hank. Hey. For, uh, at Always94. Yes. And Ted Wong, who Yo. just got back from the hospital after a thumb injury scare, after the national thumb wrestling tryouts. How are you doing, Ted? Uh, my, my thumb wrestling career might be done. That's, it was, that's it was, sad, sad to hear. It, it was, was short but sweet, yeah. Like, like thumbs would be. Yeah, and you guys, you know, you can always find my work at uh, the Canuck Way, and you can find me on Twitter at BKUrsel23. He's not hiding. Uh, He's right there. Yeah, we got some Canuck stuff to talk about. We are 11 games into the season, you guys. 7-3-1, and one, and man, we're still scoring at a crazy rate. We're like top four in goals. They also have the number one goal differential in the league. The Vancouver Canucks have the number one goal differential, positive goal differential. <laughs> I probably should have put that in there. Like, well, yeah, we kind of assumed it was negative. They have the number one goal differential in the NHL. The Vancouver Canucks. We're talking about the same team. We're not talking about practice. We're talking about the game. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> uh, and if we're talking about numbers specifically, you know, before the game tonight, which we couldn't watch, they're playing LA at the moment. Um, plus 16 guys, that's crazy. I know, plus 16. I, I can't believe it. I don't know what's more impressive, the uh, plus, like if it's the goaltending we got or the goal scoring, because they've both been crazy. Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, with all those goals that are happening, how many times did we say last year when Markstrom was on his big run, which he still seems to be on other than that one game this year? Um, geez, it would be really nice if we get this guy some goal support. Well, we're finally seeing it now. Finally seeing guys put up points and guys who we've been waiting to put up points for maybe like years and years. Yeah. Um, it's uh, shawl or nothing right now. I know oh, that's going to be a thing for shawl or nothing. Shawl or nothing. It's Sutter out there scoring goals. Beagles out there scoring goals. What kind of world are we living in when these guys are scoring goals for us and scoring at a decent amount? It's unbelievable. And the one thing that as a Canuck fan, we kind of always have looked at this. There's the three, you know, the three parts of, of the team. There's the forwards, the defense, and the goaltending. It always seems like we have, at best, two of those things going and one of them isn't. Very, very rarely do all three things get clicking. And at this moment, again, it is early, but it feels so different than even a season ago when things were clicking and Patterson was just lighting the lamp. We're seeing goaltending that looks legit. We're seeing defense that doesn't look porous. Like... They're going to give up goals, just like every other team's going to. And then you look at the forwards. They're getting contributions from every single lineup. They're getting amazing contributions from the fourth line, which is unheard of, really, on a Canucks team. <laughs> and, like, just up and down that lineup, there's something to look at that's positive. And, you know, we're complaining that, oh, no, we got another 5-1 lead. Like, it's typical Canucks fan. We're complaining about 5-1 leads and blowing them. <laughs> like, how how pathetic is that? We have a team that's actually doing well, and we're still finding holes to pick at. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this. It was a few years ago. Do you guys remember the game we had? It reminded me of the Washington game. It was against the New York Islanders of all teams. And they were bad at the time. They were always bad. But uh, we were up, I think, 4 nothing going into the third period. And we lost 7-4. I don't. Yes. I must have. I must have blocked that one from all memory yeah. banks because I actually I don't remember that. <coughs> well, anyway, 
My a good buddy of mine, Paul Mosquito, was at that game, and after the second intermission, he looks over at his buddy and he goes, "Well, here comes the third period collapse." <laughs> so, yeah, they lose seven four. Uh, anyway, we go up against Florida on Monday night. My buddy Paul texts me a picture of him at the game. And it's, that's just right after the first period. It's 5-1. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, here comes the fucking this was collapse. The, this was the Washington game he texted you? No, at the, uh, it was the Florida game. Oh, so, okay. you know, they won 7-2, which was nice to see. So my buddy Paul's not actually cursed. <laughs> but, yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, and we're not cursed with the dreaded, <laughs> the dreaded 5-1 lead, worst lead in hockey. Yeah, yeah. it's no longer 3 nothing anymore. Um, speaking of curses, I actually didn't even get my first Canucks win live. I went 0 for 14. Um <laughs> I actually have a good win streak now, though. I think I'm up for four or five games, so slowly turning that record you've around. You've been to live games, and you've seen them win. I, I, I didn't see straight. my... No, they lost 14 straight. No, 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 four straight they've won. Though. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm anyway. at like eight games eight games straight without seeing the Canucks win a game. Yeah. And we saw <laughs> we saw an inter-squad game. We saw a red, our blue versus white game, and they, they tied. Oh, so, yeah, they tied, and it was Damon Lanko in a shootout that was oh, had the chance to, to seal the whole thing, and it was still a tie. So it ended as a tie. Still haven't seen them win. Oh, well, I mean, living down there for, I was the, in the glory years of, you know, from 07 to 2012, so I ended up seeing a ton of games. So I probably saw more wins, but uh, definitely saw some stinky losses. Uh, Anaheim uh, in 07, we were up 2 nothing and lost in OT. That one hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, you know, LA. I decided not to buy tickets for the second time we played Chicago. That ended up being a good idea. <laughs> it would have been a waste of money watching them get absolutely <laughs> waxed in that round. The next year was nice, but uh, yeah, I've seen a fair amount that it's it's been fifty fifty, I guess. So I'm not as cursed as you guys, I guess. Yeah. Um, and anyway, uh, what do I want to talk about here? Humble break. Um, Elias Pedersen. We talked so about great. him last week a little bit. Um, what did we say about him last week? I can't. Well, I mean, want, we, had some, we had some dude things to do, say about him. All right, all right. Let's. But let, let me finish here. All right. Ryan Hank, my boy here, puts Petey in the guy status. That's not something you want to be at the PP1 podcast. Um, he knows it too. You he know, listens. I did. There was some things I saw in your statement that I agreed with why he was a guy for you last week. Um, looking, we're two, two more games ahead now. Uh, Pedersen's got 14 points, uh, and he's tied for 10th in the league. Um, Ryan, how are you feeling about Pedersen now? Well, I mean, I had to pick a guy, all right? So you picked Petey? Yeah. Okay. I wanted to light a fire under Just him, and sure. it worked. I, I'm... I don't hate the guy. I needed to pick somebody, and obviously, it's it's all about clickbait, people. I, I don't, I, do, I don't think that Pedersen's awful, but you know he wasn't doing all of the Pedersen things, and I was a little bit butthurt about it. So that's that's right. I picked him, and look how he's he's paying me back in spades. He's shown me that he is an absolute dude. Well, I mean, um, I think that what you were saying last week was he wasn't scoring enough. No, um, he, he goes wasn't. out and he adds actually three assists. So he still he's still not hitting the net. Um, is he still a du- is he still a guy for you, or is he is he more of a dude status now? You saw those assists though, right? Be- that one to Besser uh, was against Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so so dirty. And you just looked at Brock's face after, and he just I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something so simple, just like. Uh, something like yeah bro or something like just it was an acknowledgement like this is how things are going to be for a while it wasn't there wasn't a lot of excitement it was just like a casual nod like thanks for coming yeah there was a there was a few things on that that decent week from him after you called him out there was a pretty filthy shootout move i don't know if you guys caught that oh that was nasty oh my god that was beautiful what goalie was that that was in net there that was, uh, oh jeez. I can't remember because he's still sliding to the left. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was that nasty. Well, so. when, the, when the ice is that clean up the middle. <laughs> oh, that was a good one, Ted. But yeah, it was it was really good. I think that, uh, you're right. I think that's the good thing about Petey this year that's a little bit different than Petey from last year is that if he's being locked up on and he's being shut down and he's they're taking that shot away is that he's still contributing he's still drawing guys to him he's still picking up the points so i don't even know what's going to happen to the rest of this league when pd finds his game and they're not 
taking over and he's not getting secondary assists and he's not picking up those extra points where he's just full on taking over games but it's going to get downright ugly for the for this division for sure well the one thing i was writing my pregame for connects army today for against the kings and patterson is uh, if i'm not mistaken third in the league in miss shots is a third or fourth um with i think it was 22 wow. the guy has missed an insane amount of shots Here's the other part. He's taken an insane amount of shots. <laughs> so when the puck does start going in, like you said, Ted, like it's going to be nasty for the rest of the NHL. Like It's not going to be a Vetchkin-like because that's a whole different type of game, but... I mean, the way Patterson just puts in the puck, it's just, like, it's fierce. It's just, it goes in, and he's just mad that the other ones didn't go in sooner kind of thing. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that I've noticed, at least right off the bat, is that we're we're controlling the play right off the get-go, and I think a lot of that has to do with possession off the face-off. Sure. Um, you know, Brady, I know you had some some rankings written down that you wanted to talk about, about what was going on with the Canucks in the face-off, but you pointed out a few things to us. Yeah, uh, we're really... Leading the league here, uh, Bo Horvat has 59.4% on the faceoff dot. Uh, JT Miller is actually seeing a lot of time on the dot with 60.8 in the win percentage column, and Beagle always leading the way with 65%. You know where you were. You're obviously going to be playing a lot better when you're winning that big of a percentage in your draws. Yeah, so. no kidding. I think there's been other notables there too. Like uh, that's pretty good company that they're up there with. They're hanging out there with guys like Sean Couturier. Uh, Claude Giroux, Steve Stamkos, so it's not like it's a bunch of nobodies that are up there. Um, you know, on that note, our boy Brandon Sutter is, I think, a team worst at 42%. So um, I was going to say that, you know, I think Manny Malhotra probably deserves some credit for how well this team has done. I know that he's one of their specialists and face-off coach. Hmm. So, oh, you're giving me a funny look there, right? Anyways, um, <laughs> Beagle's a bit of a clone of that guy, right? Right, right now, it seems like he's playing that role. I think yeah. Beagle is like sitting at like a, a career average of something like sixty-five um, percent. Right now, he's or no, sorry, Beagle's career average was fifty-six percent, and now he's rolling in at like sixty-five percent. So he's like the ten percent whole draw. And I think he's, uh, he's our he's our modern Man- Manny Malhotra. Modern Manny Malhotra. Um, yeah, you got Bo Horvat who's up another three percent, and then you got Miller who's up like another ten percent. So he's obviously having some kind of an impact on these guys too, some tutelage on what they're supposed to be doing on the draw. But it's yeah, it's really good to see. I don't know if these numbers are like sustainable, but it gives them a good chance to finish with good season end totals and dominate the dot. I think uh, another you know we've been talking about sustainability and you know the scoring has been consistent. Obviously, we've kind of talked about that. Everybody's kind of aware. Before tonight, they played 11 games. They were shut out twice, which, you know, is typical Canucks. They've um, scored two goals twice, which is actually kind of out of the norm for this season. But every other game that they've played this season, they've scored three-plus goals. They were coming in with a PDO, and I don't want to bring this number up too much, but they were just over 100 with 103. So the way they are playing, they're going to regress down a little bit back to earth. Uh, probably just a smidgen for now. It could be a lot for all we know, but they are playing a little bit above their weight class currently. It is October, and we talked about that they had the easiest strength of schedule, um, like Harmon was saying in one of his articles earlier this month. So the big test is, you know, we were talking, uh, oh, geez, I lost my train of thought. Keep yeah, running with it. happens. <laughs> um, anyway, so can you believe but that Gaudette yeah. got called up again? <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> so he's shuttling back and forth a little bit at this point in time. I think, well, Mott's hurt, right? We, we, we figure it's maybe a broken foot or something. We don't yeah, really know foot, for yeah. sure. Um, but he's still a useful guy. I think we've talked about Goddard so much at this point that he can fit into a bottom six role. He can probably play somewhere in a top six role if you need him in a pinch, right? Um, he can move around, play in a center spot. He can play in a wing spot. He's a big body. He skates well. He's got a decent shot. He can literally do a bit of everything for you. Um, so it makes sense that he's probably the first call up. Um, you know, I kind of miss the idea of still seeing a guy like Goldie come up or a guy like Berchi come up. But yeah, it's good to see that Goddard's back up at the team. But play him, please. If you're going to bring him up, I want to see him in games, period. Yeah, why, why are you bringing him up and not playing him? Uh, it makes, in my head, I just picture, you know, betting, you know, Mock gets hurt and Benning's like, oh, I got to call somebody up. So he goes to Travis Green and he's just like, should we call up Adam Goddard? 
to bench him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to bench him, you know? And it's just, yeah, like, so, like, you got to wonder what's going on there, right? I mean, yeah. why do they call these guys up that need playing time? They sent him, what, they sent him down a a week ago? Yeah. yeah. It's a warm body, and then you see Erickson go back in as the winger because Mott's out. So why why bother bring him up? I mean, we want to see him up, and you want to see him playing, but he's not in the, you know, they're not bringing him up in the proper position, you know, that they've been kind of doing the last year or so where, you know, if that position is injured, they're bringing up the applicable guy. Yeah. They're bringing up Godet just almost just like a favor to everyone saying, see, we brought him back up. You know, everything's good, right? Yeah, and I think that's what they say to the media is like, oh, we're bringing the guy that deserves to be up here. But I think like the writing for me is on the wall that they're bringing Adam Godet up because he's the reasonable contract. Yeah. Right? He's not, he's the guy that's not susceptible to, to being claimed on waivers. He's, he's playing with vet clout. Like he's got that ability that you would get from bringing up a, a veteran center like a Grovac or a Justin Bailey or something like that, right? Um, but those guys, if they get called up, they're going to be susceptible to waivers. They don't want those guys getting claimed. Utica's in a good spot right now doing a good thing. Goddard hasn't been a part of that to date. Yeah. And so they literally must just think of Adam Goddard like he's a veteran player sitting on this bottom six that they can be like, take a seat, bud. Pop a squat. It just it doesn't help his development, though. I mean, no, not at all. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I don't. We don't know why they do it. I don't think we ever will. But the one thing I think of what actually makes sense to us, mm-hmm. um, the reason I would call Adam Gonnett up and then play Erickson, if Erickson you know, has a few games and doesn't play well at all, maybe they consider trying to send down Erickson instead and keep Gonnett. The scary thing is... That would be the only reason I would call up Adam But Erickson's oddly looked pretty good the yeah. few games that he's been in. It's almost backfired. I mean, maybe it hasn't, but maybe they're getting, they're milking that, that last couple drops out of him thinking, it, all right, now we can somehow do something with you. It never gets old. Well, I mean, he was doing the little things that you do <laughs> to hang around in a lineup, the, all the little things that you want to pay a $6 million forward. But he's doing them, I guess, like whatever. I mean, what did we say from the very beginning? That he's he is a viable NHL player. Oh, so, sure. Oh, yeah. If he didn't have a $6 yeah. million dollar contract, he's playing somewhere else. We should have a little For sure. Yeah. It just um, sucks that it's he's so just typical, been eh? An absolute nightmare here. I uh, I had a bad feeling about him when he scored on our, his own net to start his <laughs> his career in Vancouver. Um, but everything kind of seems to be going right for the Canucks right now uh, throughout the lineup. But other guy Tim Schaller, man, he just keeps scoring. Um, what a what a turnaround from last year. Um, it's actually pretty scary to think about. Um, but the Halloween season is it kind of like a, a treat? That they're playing so well, or are we kind of get maybe I don't know tricked by it. Ooh. Do you, Ooh, well, do you mean Schaller like specifically, or do you mean like the? Canucks I just kind of think though, maybe okay, you could, you could take that question in in so many <laughs> different ways. See, so it's Halloween, but uh, I don't know. You could take it any way you want. I mean, if you want to maybe elaborate on that. Uh, I think there's a couple of players that are that are a bit of a a trick, and I think some obvious players that are definitely a treat. Schaller, I don't really know what, what Tim Schaller is yet. I think we're going to stick with that that hashtag that Ryan's really working hard on, Schaller nothing. Uh, he's had quite a bit of an opportunity to use it this year. Maybe it's shotgun Schaller this year. I don't know, because he's looking pretty good. But I think there's a couple players that are a trick. I think Chris Tanev has looked really good playing next to Quinn Hughes, but I believe it's Quinn Hughes holding up Chris Tanev. Yeah. So I'm going to go with trick right. on Chris Tanev. Sure. I think... Treat on the things that JT Miller's doing, that's a really easy pick, but man, he's proved me on He looks really good, and that's all the things that we wanted to see for sure. Um, and then Trick, I'm going to go with Alex Edler. I think he's a bit of a trick, yeah. and I think that's coming to fruition a little bit. He's no longer on the first unit. I don't think that's going to be his job anymore or for the rest of the season, but I'm okay with regular Eddie showing up and putting up 30 points and looking good along Tyler Myers. Uh, I think those two have helped each other out. They, uh, I was pretty suspect about the things that Tyler Myers was doing in, in Winnipeg, not having great numbers, playing as a third-pairing guy. But you know what? He's looked pretty solid around Edler, and Edler's really not had a lot of good guys to play with, so it's nice to see those guys going. Um, but yeah, those would be my thoughts for guys that are, that are you know definite tricks at this point. would be one treat in there with Miller. Who are yours, bud? Yeah, I, okay, well, I guess we're turning this into a... We're doing this it. This is kind of like our new version of dudes and guys well, this kind of week, kind of switching it right? over to uh, <laughs> Trick or Treat. Um, if I had to pick kind of two guys uh, through maybe throughout the season, um, a treat for me, honestly, has been Tyler Myers. I, I love the guy. I think he's going to keep doing really well. Um, he might not put up a bunch of points, but 
as a Canucks fan, I'm I don't, sure really, I don't really look. Yeah, I don't really look for uh, my defenseman to put up a massive amount of points. Maybe it's because we're not used to having good defensemen. But uh, <laughs> I've been really happy with his play. I think he's outperforming expectations, and I think it's going to continue, especially alongside Alex Edler, who is what I would disagree with Ted's uh, trick. Um, maybe for my trick, uh, Jacob Markstrom. Uh, maybe went a little off the board with that one. Interesting. Um, and that might actually have more to do with how well Demko has been playing. Um, but if you just take Markstrom, so maybe that's not actually a good. It's not, no, maybe, no, no, no. He's no, not my it. trick. Maybe he's not. I, I do believe in Markstrom, so that's not just that's not a good answer for me. So maybe you want. You to can just not one. have one. Yeah. I've I've got an interesting one. So my trick Brandon is Sutter. no <laughs> Travis <laughs> Travis Green. I don't Ooh. I don't think he can sustain the moves he's been making. I just think there's something that's going to end up hitting a line blender of some kind and we're going to regress maybe not a lot, but I I think there's some wrench that's going to come in there and he's going to kind of Travis Green his way into, you know, putting the lines that we've seen the last I don't know. I guess we're just so used to looking at You're referring to his juggling. Yes, his yeah, juggling. Okay. Yeah. I I I'm so used to seeing, you know, the Willie Desjardins gear. Like, that was just so impactful. Then you look at kind of torts that came in. I just, I'm not ready to trust yet. <laughs> I'm not I'm not ready to let him in my heart. Yeah, we've seen too many of the, oh, we're playing Boston, and we're worried about Zidane O'Chara shadowing the Sedin line. So how Is do it? I get them to not be shadowed by Zidane O'Chara? Yeah. Oh, well, I just won't play them. Yeah. That stuff's not happening anymore. So, you know, I hope you're wrong. But you think he's gonna? You think he's gonna stub his dink a little I, bit here and make the wrong, the wrong choice? I, sure. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's something just sitting there, and I'm, I'm not quite sure of what's exactly gonna happen. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong, and maybe he's up for a Jack Adams. That's right, another first you heard on the PP One podcast. <laughs> well, Brady, I know you were, ta- you kind of went into it and then went away from it about Marky being a bit of a trick. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that has to go with Dem- Demko's numbers, but they is. He's better than Markstrom now at this point in time. I know he's got a smaller sample size, but yeah, we we can probably talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think Demko, honestly, he is putting up better numbers, and I think he's 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 impressing Canuck fans more than we were expecting him to. I think he's showing he can handle a bigger workload. Um, He's looked really well, especially after Markstrom, you know, takes that that terrible six five loss. Demko steps in and he he looks solid. I if I was the coach, I would probably personally would have given Demko the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see a little bit more of a 1A, 1B uh, with these two goaltenders, especially with it being such a, a big year for Jacob Markstrom um, and the contract year. You kind of want to see what you have in Demko as well. So, What do you mean by 1A, 1B? What are you thinking from a start perspective well, from Well, I know guys? back when we had Luongo and Schneider, it was kind of 50-30. So that's kind of what I would like to see. Um, but also in the sense that you just can ride a goalie when he's hot. Like de- depending on who who's good, you just go with them, and uh, it's well, nice to have that. What if they're both hot? Well, I, well, I don't know. <laughs> I think then then you probably have to go with Markstrom. But yeah, you're if, if you have two hot goaltenders, yeah. I mean, it's not a problem. They really have both look good, and I think and, I think you're right. I think yeah. one is kind of pushed for more playing time, and I think that that's going to help his development. I think if we have a really tough choice to make at the end of this year, then that's probably means we're in like a pretty good spot, right? Yeah, for sure, and. You know, with the Halloween theme, it's scary to think oh, that yeah, we can good. have two good goaltenders. But it's scary to think that we can. We're playing 15 games in November. Is it so, scary though? I think 15 games in November is is a little scary. That's actually terrifying. So, You're right. It's nice to you know have those two goaltenders that we can fall back on. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Jeremy Roenick, uh, he was talking about the game and he said that uh, Mark, uh, the Vancouver Canucks have no defense, maybe Quinn Hughes, and definitely no goaltending. He's probably (laughs) getting last year's feed, that's why. He did did say they got a couple of nice pieces there. I think he's probably talking about, you know, Patterson, Horvat, Bo. Yeah. Probably doesn't even know JT Miller plays for us yet. My point is he completely skipped over, like, the goaltending. Like, he hasn't been watching hockey for the last year. I mean... You're right. I think the part of the NHL skipped over their goaltending, too, because they haven't let in that many goals. Yeah, man. I think they've they've looked good. And isn't that like such a Vancouver thing to, to have happen, right? I think literally we were a bad Markstrom game and one good 
Demco game followed by one good Demco game away from like a somewhat goal contra- goaltending controversy. Like it's literally, this is the start of that. So if Demco keeps playing well in true Vancouver fashion, they're going to start calling for the backup baby because that's what we do as Canucks fans, like it or not. And it's so <laughs> it's so sickening because we're now at the point where why do we have to have a goalie controversy? Why can't we just have two nice things? <laughs> like why do we have to crap all over something that's good? Like. We've chased out so many good players. Maybe now's the time we think, hey, we've got a situation like Nashville had, where they had Pekka Rene and they had, uh, was it Soros? Yeah, Eunice Soros. Like, it's okay to have more than one good thing. Should we have one good center? No. (laughs) We should have four of them. Should we have two good wingers? No. Let's try to litter the team. Like, give me a break. At some point, we just have to look and think, hey, maybe we have something good here. Let's not crap on it and enjoy what we actually have. I don't know, man. They, love to, they no. love to fuel the water cooler. That's the I, way this yeah. team it works. But it's definitely, it's definitely tricky, you guys, to everything for to have a great goaltending tandem. For one, they never last because both goalies end up getting really good and they can't share the crease. Oh, I don't know. Um, so it's really hard to kind of find that timing. And even when you do... The max really you're going to get out of it is probably two years, like as we saw with you know Luongo Schneider, and as we're going to see with Markstrom Demko. Yeah, I think Demko has already proven that he's willing to make a bit of a fuss if he feels like he's not put in the best position possible. That's why Anders Nilsson was not on this team at the quarter point of last season, and Demko was. So, um, yeah, I think he's got an agent who's willing to make some noise for him, and quite honestly, he's kind of put up. And not had to shut up about his play, so yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know what their attitudes. But if you're if you're an alpha male and you're you're a one A guy, you're not going to want to be a one B, even though that means that you're technically a, a number one goaltender. So I think that Markstrom has like paid his dues to this point and has got himself into this area, and I think that he's not going to let that go that easily. So we'll see where this goes. I still want to run with that goalie tandem as far as the pitching rotation. We we went kind yeah. of ad nauseum on that last week, but I'm. I'm still on that. I think it's such a good idea. And these are two goaltenders that aren't making max cash yet. Just honestly, run that rotation and get the hot guy. And if you got that guy that's running hot for a week or so, like, you know, we saw Luongo went three straight shutouts that one. Actually did two years in a row. (laughs) But, you know, if you've got a guy with the hot hand, that's great. But, you know, go after matchups and find out who's going to be, you know, kind of that key guy. You've got a ton of guys in front of them, but, you know, trust that you've got two guys that you can rely upon. At the end of the day, you know, you talked about Ovechkin, or we didn't talk about it, Ovechkin kind of brought up against the Leafs, you know, are you in it for yourself or are you in it to win a Stanley Cup? Quite frankly, that should be asked about every single team. Are you in it for a contract? And maybe you are, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with making money once you've hit pro sports. But... I'm pretty sure they're all in it for a ring. Last time I checked, man, I've, I, I'm so glad you bought the brought the Ovechkin thing up, and I know that this is like basically a pro Canuck podcast. But like, are you or are you not stoked about all the crap that's being slung by these players out in the media, out in the open? Like we're talking about, you know, Bruce Boudreaux getting called out by his own team. Bruce needs to be better. We're talking about Ov making calls. Seabrook just had his little thing yeah, too. Yeah, we had Seabrook go on. We had Drew Doughty a couple weeks back saying we should not be losing to a team like this six nothing. Like, mm. who are you, Drew Doughty, to be saying that? This is not your team. But we're in this spot now where these players like almost feel comfortable to a level where they're okay. They can they can snap back a little bit. They're not giving your classic hockey player a, a, a comment or question or answer. Just being like, yeah, man, we gotta take one period of time. We don't want to look ahead to next game. Blah 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 blah. No, I'm just gonna tell tell it how it is, how I see it, and that's the the raw truth. And these guys are really dishing it out right now. And I guess even we look back to last season with Patterson when you know the death stares and you know Google it and you know he's <laughs> I, I'm I'm serious. Yeah, no, you're right. He's yet another player. That's that's kind of bringing that out, and you're right. We're finally starting to see some character in the NHL, and it's been long overdue. Yeah, I think we like the the media or or people kind of slag on these guys a little bit, but like at the same time, we're all like, I know we're all looking at ourselves, thinking, man, I wish they'd just tell us the actually truth, and, and now we're actually getting that to a certain extent. Well, it's definitely got to be hard for hockey players to, you know, hold back on some of the truth. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I mean, they got to be so professional. But even Lars Pedersen with the whole, uh, he said he kind of got sick of the media last year, but he was so professional. He came back this year and, you know, he really made it clear he wants to 
be professional and he's happy that you know people are talking to him every day and wanting to talk to him so that's a good thing to see for the Vancouver Canucks um, but you know we're wrapping up October we're playing the Kings tonight uh, I think we might actually be winning it as we're recording it right now hopefully but um, you know that's 12 games in the month of October uh, I believe 7 of 12 on the road and we uh, are gonna be on the road a lot in November we play 15 games yes um, you know, some people were saying we had the easiest start out of any team for October, which might be why we're doing so well. So it's gonna it's gonna be nice to see them, um, you know, play 15 games in November, but also on the road, 10 of 15. Um, I don't think we want to get too uh, scared if you know we kind of come back with a couple more losses than we'd like, considering you know we're on the road for 10 of 15. They're coming. They're absolutely coming. The schedule dictates it. it you know, we've got a couple road trips. There's going to be a few hard ones in there, and they've got the homestand. You've got Nashville, Dallas, Colorado. Although those games could end up being the reverse of what we think too. Those teams are probably going to be due at some point um, to start slagging. They've also got injuries. You know, look at Colorado with Landis Fogg. Yeah. You look at uh, Winnipeg right now that they're just, you know, the absolute bar- bottom of the barrel. Um, you know, we've got Nashville twice in there. So there's definitely some decent teams that uh, we can beat. There's also teams that, you know, that there's going to probably be a loss, at least one in that uh, the L.A. road trip coming, well, currently. That's the way this has to go, right? we we got to take advantage of when the schedule is good, when the pickings are good. Almost like getting ready for the winter. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we got to make hay while the getting's good. And when it gets tough, we got to hope or try that we're going to get through this thing unscathed yeah. and that we're going to tread water to a certain extent so that when we come out of it on the other end, we're still looking at it with a similar record, right? So yeah. let's, let's, we're going to really see what this team is made of, what kind of jam these guys actually have. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to see if a lot of these numbers that have cropped up, like face-off percentage and and... PDO and, and, and Corsi that, that are all looking really reasonable right now and, and, yeah. and defense scoring, if it's going to taper off or if it's going to continue on into this nasty-ass road trip that's on its way. Yeah, speaking of Corsi, I don't know if you know this, but uh, earlier this week, uh, our, top li- our top line was 1, 2, and 3 in the league. Oh, Corsi. really? Yeah. Love it. Uh, somewhere in the 60s. It was really nice to see. The Horvat line or the Pedersen line? The Pedersen line. Oh. Yeah, our, our lotto line. Oh, there um, you go. But, uh, yeah, you're saying, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how we come out of November. Uh, I think we faltered pretty big last year in November. Uh, but this year, there's a different feeling to the team. Um, and I'm confident that we're going to get things done on the road. We're going to have Bo Horvat. If he can do what he did on the road last time, uh, we're going to be in good shape. We got we got two good goaltenders, and we have depth when the injuries do come. So I've got one bold prediction. After the game against Colorado on the 16th, that is going to be the Canucks team that you're going to see for the rest of the year. Okay, well, let's hope it's good. That's going to be whatever it is after the 16th. Is it, it the flying skate jersey? Uh, it is that the flying happens s- to be the flying skate I, jersey. I, I, you know what? And you I, did something there. No, I didn't. I swear <laughs> to you. High fives for sure. It must be true then, eh? But I... No, Always it, 94, baby! Uh, in, all ser- <laughs> in all seriousness, though, after that game, the Canucks will have... Um, I think that puts us... 12, 20 So that's just over 20 games. I think that is the realistic... That's your quarter pole, basically, right? that's going to dictate what this Canuck team looks like. So if they're in a legit spot at that point, I kind of see this team uh, going to the playoffs, which I didn't quite think was going to happen this season. But that's that's my bull prediction. So, yeah, you think they're going to make it? Is that... I think if if we're still uh, within the first two spots in the Pacific, yeah. after the 16th, I think the Canucks, uh, at the very least, make uh, a little bit of noise. In this Brady, point. I know, I know we you know where there, you stand on this one. Do you think there's like always about a 94% chance that's true? <laughs> <laughs> no comments. Yeah. Brady, you think this team's still going to make the playoffs? No, I don't think your opinion's going to change. It's not going to get worse with the way that you've seen the team play to start the season, but... You're, no, still, I, you're still pretty am, confident? Uh, yeah, through the month of October, uh, 12 games in, I'm really happy to see this uh, Canucks team uh, the way they are. I do believe in them. We're going to have our bumps in the road, uh, but I think we are well-equipped to handle those bumps. And uh, We're a Jeep. We're going to see the playoffs this year. I'm we're call, a Jeep. I'm, I'm the Canucks are a Jeep this year. They can handle all the bumps. I think I haven't seen enough quite yet to flip it over to, yes, this is a playoff team versus no, we're out. 
I will say I think we're in a dogfight, but I think we'll be in the position for the first time in a while to be in a dogfight. And I think it's literally going to come down to like a point or two deciding on whether we're in the playoffs or not. So I'm skewing closer towards the positive portion of the ledger. Fair enough. Yeah, I think maybe uh, someone who could maybe help us figure out if we're going to make the playoffs or not uh, goes by the name of Chris Faber of Canucks Conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a phone call coming up with him. Uh, he'll be on the line right away. All right, welcome to the PP1 podcast. Uh, we got a very special guest with us today, uh, Canucks Conversation host, Chris Faber. Welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? I'm doing awesome, guys. In the middle of a game right here. Happy to join you guys and get on the show here. You know, it's, it's in like the early stages, so I want to be one of those first guests on a show. That's awesome. <laughs> this is uh, it's kind of uncharted territory. We've all decided to not watch this game and talk to each other. And it just it doesn't make sense, but I guess that, that's how dedicated to the podcasts we are. We're, we're willing to miss what we're actually supposed to talk about to talk about it. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. Absolutely. It's not like, you know, you put out a podcast and it dates itself so fast. The fact that you guys are skipping the game is even going to date it even more. Exactly. <laughs> I think, well, I'm just going to say spoiler is before I left the house, I did see that there was a, a Furlan Clifford tilt going on, so I'm excited to at least go home and watch that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I, I was, like, halfway <clears throat> here when uh, I got a text about that fight. I haven't seen it yet, but... Uh, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. So uh, I just want to say that, uh, Chris, you've obviously uh, had a pretty successful podcast so far, and um, you've, you've given some uh, great content for us, and that's the word on the street anyway. The thing is, we're entertaining you right now, and we've basically captivated the guy that's captivated thousands. Can you believe that? <laughs> a thousand guys. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it is pretty cool, and... You know, it's just, it's it's pretty cool because, like, the fact that I've got to have Brady on the show, I've got to have Ryan on the show, like, it, it's pretty cool to, like, be able to make, you know, make conversation with all these people and be able to put it out in my way of doing the podcast because, you know, it's it's really cool listening to podcasts like your guys' where it's the same host and you guys have good discussions between each other, but I guess that's, I guess that's, like, the different part about my show is the fact that, I mean, there's not, aside from the segment I do with Corey Hergott every week, we're having the most different conversations about everything every week, which is a lot of fun. And the fact that I've been able to, you know, show the voice of some people and, and kind of be shocked. Like, I remember, you know, Judd Brackett underscore one, when I had him on the show, like, I just messaged him because I liked his tweets. And then I end up talking to him and he's like, is it okay my parents are in the room? And I'm like, yeah, totally, that's fine. I just thought it was kind of kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, your parents can be in the room. And then we get going. And then he's like, yeah, just because I'm 14 years old. I'm like, oh. So, like, I'm like, we're doing this, eh? So this is what the show is now. And then, then he just blows me away with, like, how much, the, how much the kid knows about hockey and, you know, getting to meet him at the NHL draft and stuff like that. That's some of the cool moments from doing the show so far. That's definitely a really cool story, man. Um, I got to ask you, how does it feel to be kind of on the opposite end of it? Uh, you're not so much asking the questions on your, uh, which is in your wheelhouse. Uh, what's it like to be, you know, a guest on the show? I love it because when I'm putting my show together, I'm always worried about not talking over the other person, as you guys probably are right now. You're like, oh, just let favor flow, let him go. I'm not going to cut him off. Makes for bad audio. So now I get to talk all I want at this point when I'm on someone else's show. No, we're gonna we'll cut you off. Don't worry. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, please do. I've, I've heard you guys' show. I know you can. <laughs> and uh, you know, just the fact that it's kind of just cool to be recognized and that people actually you know want to hear what i have to say but it's just it's awesome to do because i i tell people before i interview them all the time i'm just driving the bus i want you guys to be the star of the show when you're on my show and i I just try and do that and make sure that they have as much room to talk as possible yeah well listening to your show it's it's quite obvious that you're a huge canuck fan and when i'm listening i almost want to hear your opinions more often so it's nice to finally get to ask you some questions so i just want to ask you like how are you feeling you know, we, we actually kind of wrote a similar article about the Canucks through 10 games. Uh, how yeah. are you feeling about the Canucks through uh, 10 games so far? Yeah, I think you definitely have to be optimistic about the start for the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, it's it's kind of tough when you want to just think about how much a goaltender can bring to a team and what the goaltending duo that the Canucks have bring to them in their first 10 games. I mean, they really have carried this team looking at the goaltender. I think looking at it the other day, it was like both goaltenders over 940% save percentage. I mean, that. 
that just doesn't happen. And then the addition of JT Miller has just been so huge. So I think you got to be happy with what they're doing so far, but you know that there's going to be tougher things down the road for the season. And I think, you know, at the same time, you want to think about playoffs when you have a start this good, but you really got to start looking at the month of November. And if they come out of November looking like this or even relatively close to what they did in the first 10-11 games, I mean, you got to be very happy with the start of the season. For sure. What do you What do you find, like... I guess the next little bit that's coming along here, and you, and you kind of alluded to the fact that we have to be optimistic, but tougher times could be ahead. Like, what do you foresee as possibilities for what could be tough that's ahead of us? Like, what are some possible traps or some pitfalls that are, you know, possibly approaching down the road that you maybe you're you're looking forward to seeing this team overcome or or that you're worried about? Yeah, I'm super excited to just see what they look like. I think so. I guess at the end of November they play a back to back on November 30th and December 1st, and at the end of that, I believe it's something like 17 games and 33 nights, so it's just a ton of hockey that they're going to have to play, right? So that's going to be super interesting to see just them come out of that, because we've seen injuries so much, and we see it when they they get these games bunched up. Like last year, when they were playing so many more games than everywhere else in the league, I mean, they were getting so many more injuries than the other teams, and just looking at how that just affects your team. I mean, you think about losing one of these players, almost anybody in the top six, if you were to lose right now for the Vancouver Canucks, that just drastically changes this team. And I guess the better part of when you want to, if you want to look at it from a positive side, is looking what's going on in Utica. I mean, there's a lot of players that you'd be happy to kind of just add into the top six. So maybe maybe this year's different. I mean, if, if they can weather through the storm in November, get to, you know, get past, the, I guess, the crazy month that's going to be November, it seems to be the hardest month for the Vancouver Canucks all season long. So if they can get over the hardest month of the season this early in the year, then you got to think it's going to be just easier for the rest of the season. Chris, I think another thing that uh, we're kind of forgetting too, we're not really forgetting it, but uh, you know Antoine Roussel is going to be coming back fairly soon. Tyler Mott's out with, I believe it's, uh, they're saying a, probably a broken foot. The thing is, uh-huh. you get Roussel back, and eventually you're going to get Mott back. You've now got two guys that you can interchange as either your, your 12th forward or... Um, you know, you can cycle that fourth line potentially or even your third line. Now, we, and you, as you were saying, like the guys in Utica, this is probably the most depth um, on both sides of the coin that they've had in, I mean, geez, how many years has it been? I guess 2011 was the last time that they actually had some depth to play around with. But now you've got role players like uh, Roussel that when he comes back, I think we've all kind of forgotten what he actually brings to the Canucks. And the fact that we're getting such a, um, a positive output from, you know, the third and fourth line. And obviously, uh, you know, you look at Petey and Besser and they haven't even blown up yet and they're still putting up the points. I think it's... Uh, it's a good spot to be in that we can actually have that kind of depth. Right, and and this is something that, you know, I have Corey Hergott on my show every week, and I think I asked him, actually, Ryan, I think I might ask you this as well a couple of weeks ago when you are on my show, like, is this what it feels like to actually have a good AHL team? And I, I'll just throw that right back to you guys. Like, looking at this team with an AHL team, do you think this is, like, an AHL team that we don't see often, like, once in a blue moon an AHL team is this good? Or do you think this is what it just feels like to like actually have confidence in your AHL call-ups because the Canucks are calling up the most ridiculous names over the past couple of years, and it seems like the guy that they're going to call up now is probably going to fit in anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's. I think it's a bit of both. You can kind of look at it, you know, two ways. One, yeah, they've finally produced enough enough players that they can actually ice a team that's competitive. And the other thing too is, yeah, they're playing well. I think the guys that they've got, you know, we've talked about it for the past couple of years, and we talk about it on our podcast a lot. Um, about the the depth that Benning and companies draft, and I think they're finally starting to uh, get the dividends from all these players that are finally starting to pan out. Well, not only that, too, I think it's been different. Uh, the way that the, the young guys have been deployed this year, I think, uh, whether that was the intention or not in the first year, it seems like the deployment's been a lot better with guys like, you know, Lind especially, um, yeah. putting them with more quality players and putting them in, a, in more of a, a position to succeed. Uh, yeah, exactly, and then, oh, ahead. sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Faber. Yeah, I just, it's been interesting, this is the first year I've kind of dove into the Utica Comets more, and like, I, I remember hearing Corey last year talk about, Corey Hergott, that's, that is, just talking about how, you know, this team actually isn't doing that bad with their young players, and just look, looking at what they did this year, I mean, putting Cole Lynn on the first line with Reed Boucher for the first seven games, I think that was a great combination, I mean, looking at Boucher get going early on with the goals, I, I'm, I'm no... 
not even close to a Comets expert like Corey is, but I think just watching the game so far, I, I completely agree with what you just said there. I mean, the young players are being deployed. We're seeing, you know, we're getting Yasik. He's playing penalty kill time right now for the team. Cole Dobin's getting some penalty kill time. The first power play unit looks, you know, looks awesome. And even, like, people aren't really talking about Ole Olevi enough because the way that he's playing right now, it's he's playing like one of the best defensemen in the AHL, and I think Canucks fans should be very excited for what's going to come from him. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I just, I just got listened to your podcast uh, in the summer months, and uh, you know, we were going over the the lines a lot, and I, I got to learn that you were uh, a big Goldie fan, um, <laughs> and I know how much it pains you to see him down in the AHL. And I just I want to know, did you buy AHL TV for the sole purpose of following your boy Goldie, or is it uh, uh, just because of how deep this team is? I just want to hear some more of your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, not only did I buy. AHL TV just for Goldie. I guess <laughs> me and me and one other person uh, split the price of AHL TV so that we can both watch Goldie. Because we're like, oh, we're not going to pay eighty nine ninety nine just to watch Goldie. And I asked him like, you want to pay forty five each? And he, and he's like, yeah. So we're we're uh, splitting AHL TV just to watch Goldie. Yeah, and and what from watching him down there? I mean, I, you watch just the passes that he makes. I mean, he he makes passes that no other AHL player makes. He's passing it across, setting up defensemen yes. coming in on the rush and. And I, I kind of tweeted about it as I was watching the game because they mixed up the lines. I mean, a team that's 7-0 and going into their eighth game and mixing up the lines seems crazy to me. But with Zach McEwen being ill for the game, they end up throwing Goldobin along, like, on one wing and putting Reed Boucher on the other. And at first I didn't like it, but then just thinking about the passing ability from Goldobin yeah, and just yeah. the shooting ability from Reed Boucher, I was like, wow, this really works. And then they bumped Berchi down to play with Cole Lynn. And just watching those two play together, it's like it actually does click a little bit more. Just the shooter and the passer, and then the two guys that just seem to be playing at a high level, put them together, and it seemed to work out for the Comets. And they're eight zero now, which is crazy. Yeah, it's it's really crazy to see. Uh, but the one thing you're saying about Goldie, he's got like nine assists or something, right? Um, I'm, not, <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure how many shots, but I know it's pretty low. Last time I checked, I think it was like six shots on net or something. But uh, I know Coach Green six, wanted six, to six. see him shoot the puck more. Um, do you think he's going to get into the NHL if he's not shooting as much in the AHL? Yeah, and that's that's a huge point, and that's why it gets brought up so much when you see Goldobin's stats. I mean, he seems to work on a line if he's playing with a guy like Patterson and Brock Besser because I think when Goldobin continues the play that Patterson and Besser do together, I think Goldobin's able to open up the high-danger scoring areas. We've seen so many guys, like Johnny Gaudreau's a perfect example. He's a guy that can shoot the puck very well. I think everyone can agree with that, and he yeah. scores such a high percentage of his goals just so in tight, close to the net. And then you look at how far away a guy like Pedersen and Brock Besser score. I mean, they score from so far away and on so many odd man rushes that you almost require that high level of passing to be something that can assist those guys. And we're seeing that with JT Miller right now, but I still do believe the way that Goldobin plays the game, the way that he can help an NHL team is to be on one of those lines with two guys that can score and just bringing his elite passing ability to the NHL. I still do believe there's a place for Goldie in this league. Well, I for one am a bit bummed that I never got in on this uh, this AHL double up package to watch the kid <laughs> with the gold mouth guard. I would have been all in on that. I'm a big Goldie fan too. But you're right. I uh -huh. think you hit the nail on the head there. I think um, there's so many things that he does from just like a pure skill player perspective, the way he thinks the game. It's at a similar level as a guy like a Pedersen or a Besser, and that's probably why he fits so well um, with a guy like Reed Boucher down on, on the farm too, right? So. Yeah, man, great points there. I think that there's a lot of things going on in Utica to like. Um, a lot of good deployment choices for guys like Cole Lynn. Um, but something I was curious about was we got a couple of really good prospects in the organization just in this last year, in this last draft, in uh, Pod Colson and Hoaglander. And, you know, I was kind of curious what your thoughts about how um, they're being deployed or what their development plans are set aside for them this year. Um, because they're in very different roles playing in Europe, but they're both playing in men's league, albeit in different positions. So what do you kind of foresee for them going on with this year, and do you like it? Yeah, first of all, great pronunciation of her, Glander. That was 100% that was bang on. And second of all, just, <laughs> you know, the fact that studying. we get to watch... <laughs> no, I, I've heard the improvement over the episodes. It's gotten better and better. And just looking <laughs> at the way that those guys are playing, I mean... I'm really excited for what Herglander's situation is because he's playing alongside a guy named Dominic Bach, who is another first-round pick, a uh, very elite player who's at the, I think he's a year older than Herglander at this point, so watching them play together, even though they may not get the most amount of minutes, when they are on the ice, they're two very skilled players playing together in the SHL, which is exactly what you want to see from a development player overseas. Yeah. As for Pod Colson, on the other hand, like it's 
it's tough because you want to see him compete at the KHL. People wanted to see him, you know, maybe even make a chance. The, the skill that he had, maybe there was a chance he could even crack the like the Canucks as a fourth line guy and see something as an eighteen year old, just because of the you know the sure. size and skill that he already has. And then when, when you hear that he's only playing one, two, three shifts, I mean, I've watched a handful of these KHL games and, you know, I find myself, like, jumping between SHL and KHL because I, I barely get to see Pod Colson as much as I want to. It almost seems like the second-round pick's getting a lot more hype than the first-round pick in this last draft just because of the deployment. I was just going to say, yeah, so, I mean, at the start of the year, we were all pumped for Pod Colson, uh, you know, and based on recent footage, maybe a couple of... Uh, Filthy dangles, back passes behind the net, and the cross goals later, and it seems like everybody's on the on the Hoaglander train. So, what what's your thought on this now? Are you still pro Paul Colson or Hoaglander? Is there a guy that you like more, one or the other, at this point? Uh, it is tough, and you know, with recency bias, I mean, Hoaglander is easy to to talk about, and you know, the fact that he's done his second lacrosse style goal, and then the uh, I think the quote comes out of him saying, you know, it's kind of easy. I mean, like, you hear that, how can you not fall in love with the guy, and then we see what's going on with Pod Colson, but I think, in the end, both are in such, I think both were such good draft picks, because we're going to expect one to go and play with Pedersen and Besser, and maybe be that, you know, piece that's going to fix it up, whether it be Herglander out there, which a lot of people are hoping for, and then Pod Colson, the way he plays, it's almost like it, it, it feels weird because it's almost like what we wanted out of Jake Vertanen a couple of years ago when we drafted him. Like, yeah. if, if Pod Colson can come in and just be a top six power forward, I think that's that's what Canucks fans want. Maybe he doesn't have the ceiling as high as some other prospects in the organization, but if he can come in and be a top six power forward, like, that's a piece that you really need when you want to get into playoff talks. Yeah, you dropped a tweet, a tweet a couple days ago talking about the fact that he had only had those 13 minutes, and I think... You know, I responded back that it was. It reminded me a lot of what happened to Lucas Yasek over his time in the Czech Republic. So, I mean, that meant for you know another year or two for him spent over there before he got to come over here for his his kind of pro trial contract. But do you foresee you know Paul Colson taking a similar approach to that, or do you think that you know this early loss in ice time equates to him getting to North America faster? Yeah, I actually find this this situation super interesting. From what I've been looking to, right now, like, Pod Colson's agent that he currently has isn't one of the bigger name agents, I guess. I can't even remember his name, but I'd, I'd be curious to see if he does switch agents to, like, a big, powerful guy that's known for getting Russian players over here. I, that would probably be the situation where, like, he might be coming over here earlier than we expected. But I think right now, if, if nothing's going to change and he maybe just starts consistently adding more to this KHL team as the season goes on, mm-hmm. I mean, we might have to wait you know, till next, I guess, the 2020-21 playoff run to even start to think about him coming over. Right. Well, I want to kind of detour a little bit here in a similar Canucks conversation, I suppose. Um, you hit 50 episodes. I'm not sure. If, was it is it officially 50, or does is it still 49 because of the, <laughs> the, the Phantom episode? Right. So I guess it technically is 49, but I guess I, I looked at it the other day, and I think we put out 87 episodes, including oh, all go. the bonus wow. content and mailbag. So, yeah, so it's uh, it's like 80-something episodes over a year. But it's been cool kind of celebrating a year because it's, I think, a couple of weeks from now will be actually the time when we celebrate just doing it for one year. And it's crazy to, to see how far it's come because I remember looking at the numbers, you know, and looking at the views that we were getting, and it was like 20, 30 listens until episode five, and then... Uh, then Jason Botchford comes on my show uh, out of nowhere because uh, he just happened to follow me on Twitter, and I was like, "I, I got to get you on. I have him and Harmon on for an episode." And you know, he, he takes good. like an hour out of his time. Yeah, and that was that was the first time things changed, and you know, people actually started listening. So I owe I owe so much of the success of the show to just to Jason Botchford and Harmon, who's Harmon's been on my show, you know, five, six, seven times. I think we joke about it all the time when he comes on, but um, it's. You know, both of those guys seeing what they what they've been able to do and what Harmon's been able to do with the loss of Jason. I mean, it's it's so impressive to see Harmon do that at such a young age and what Jason brought and even just taking an hour out of his time. Like I remember him just dropping an f bomb on my show. I think he was the first <laughs> to swear on the Canucks conversation. Uh, I think he's the reason we have the big uh, big red E beside our podcast. But I'll never change that because that uh, that changed the show. So I appreciate both those guys for what they did. Yeah, you earned that. I mean, that's. You know, one of the questions we were going to ask was that, you know, we were going to talk about who some of your mentors were. Um, But really, I kind of just wanted to take a minute to just acknowledge the fact and say thank you for all the support that you've given us. And and not only us, but we've, man, word gets around. Like, you put your work out there with a lot of these fledgling podcasts and and a lot of young writers that you've been taking your time with. You always seem to make yourself available. Um, You know, so I think not only just from us, but I think the community in general, we just wanted to say thank you for making yourself 
so available and putting yourself out there. So the question for me was, who were your mentors for that? And I guess you kind of answered that for now, but you know, who are some people that you draw from aside from, from Bosford and Harmon that you, you know, that has kind of made you the, the person that you are when it comes to being a mentor and being in that role? Yeah, I think a lot of just, you know, I think especially after Jason passing, just uh, somebody needs to step up. And I think a lot of people have. And I think that's the reason that, uh, that you know, Canucks Twitter has continued on because Jason Botchford was so much of it. Like he was Canucks Twitter. He was the reason a lot of people got Twitter just to read what he had to say. And, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and you know, just looking at, um, I guess, some of the people that kind of inspired me. And, and that's the reason I do like, like I've always had my messages. Like my DMs are always open for anyone. That, that's the idea of the show is to have people's voices heard. And I guess like part of that is also to help people, you know, find their voices when they're doing other stuff and I, I get so excited like when someone comes on my show and they're like I really enjoy that I want to try podcasting I'm like yeah hell yeah try it like see what happens maybe you do seven episodes and you don't like it maybe you do a hundred and you love it and you do it for two years straight that's awesome but but the people that inspired me were you know podcasters because I, I work at a mill I work 40 hours of pressing one button and standing in one spot so I listened to 40 hours of podcasts a week so I'd listen to oh, a real okay. good show with Justin Morissette so he inspired me he's a guy that's helped me all a lot when it comes to podcasting. Uh, Ryan Schapp from the Pucks on Net podcast. Uh, just listening to both those guys. I listened to them for years before I even started podcasting. And um, and I learned a lot and then still learning a lot from them about you know how to set up a Patreon page and crap like that and all that <laughs> stuff. So those two guys have been a huge help to me throughout the way. I really appreciate that, man. Thanks. I uh, kind of want to go a little off topic here, seeing as how this is our Halloween episode. I want to ask you this question. Uh, if you can give me three names uh, in Canucks history, who would be your three scariest Canucks? Oh man, that's that's a really good question. Um, There's so a reason. Can you just give me a top one if you like? No, no. That's yeah, are easy. we gonna go off of like dangerous scores or just scary looking players? Scary looking, like you wouldn't want to. Okay. You wouldn't want to drop the gloves with them. One's too easy. I I want to. I want. Or I even maybe he's easy. just really ugly looking or something. You know, he's just a scary guy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you guys can go ahead. You guys can lead us off here if you guys have got some on your mind. Well, I think I'd, I'd put Donald Brashear in there. Yeah, Brash, that'd be uh, good. Absolutely. Scary, yeah. Todd Bertuzzi, I wouldn't want to, you know, run across him. Sopel. Um, Sopel was just really funny looking. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd take a, I, I think I'd take a crack at Tiger Williams. Just scary yeah. looking guy, straight up psycho. I think uh, that'd, be, that'd probably be my guy. Yeah, I think you got to throw, uh, you got to get, uh, I think Matias Olin, if he would have snapped, like he would have been someone I would have been scared of. Just the way that he like delivered hits was scary. Uh, you got to put Gino out there for sure. Yeah. Um, I remember actually we were at, I was at the game, it was a couple years ago, we were at the game and Gino made his first return to Rogers Arena and I have never in my life heard that arena so loud. So that oh, was so yeah. cool because he's he was a little bit before my time of really investing into hockey and watching it, you know, intently instead of being a nine-year-old because I didn't understand at the time but you know back then like before my time that was someone that I didn't really get to see play the game but I just hear stories about Gino and you know the penalty minutes that he put up like that's that's the hockey that I fell in love with as a kid so I love watching that kind of stuff but I never got to watch him play he really was fun to watch back in the day I remember they used to throw him on a line with Burry to go yeah. skate around. It would be like him and, and, and Ronning, or they'd double up with like Lyndon Burry, Ojek, and yeah. and it was just like he was riding shotgun. Obviously, Burry became like ten sizes bigger than he was in that moment, and he he'd throw those those vicious elbows just like a certain Swede that got drafted to this team recently. Um, uh-huh. But man, like he was fun to watch, and the guy could play a little bit too. He I mean, it was he wasn't your your regular enforcer where he was going out there to just be a plug and play two minutes a game and and be a face puncher. But yeah, man, he had some skills for I, sure. That's a good pick. I still remember uh, this. This was way back. I remember there was a game. I don't think it was televised. They ended up having it uh, on the radio. This is way back. And uh, yeah, Burry and Gino, I think had like a two on. No, I think it was against Chicago or something like that. And uh, I think. I can't remember. We were at like the YMCA or something, and I, I we got out, and uh, my dad's like, "Yeah, Burry and Ojek had a two on 0. I'm like, "You're kidding me! Like, how is how is that a combination that gets a two on oh But uh, yeah, like you're right, Ted. He had uh, he was definitely a little bit larger than life, but you know the fact that him and Burry were such good buds, it showed on the ice too, right? Yeah. Did you guys speaking of scary connects? Did you guys see this the in arena like zombie video that the Canucks just released? I saw bits and yeah, pieces yeah, of was- it. That was epic. Did you see that video, Chris? 
Yeah, absolutely. That was cool. And then I just I just saw that they tweeted about the behind the scenes, so I haven't seen the behind the scenes of it. But I mean, oh, like wow. yeah, I when I didn't you got like when you're watching that video and you saw the back of the jersey and said Linden, like were you expecting him to be in that line because like that would have been awesome just to see Trevor Linden again. I was. Yeah, it was, was cool. It was cool just to see all the alumni guys there, and it was weird, kind of like watching like this weird cross of. Do you remember those old Nike commercials that they used to do? And there was like the one of, Yeah, there was one of Fedorov and he was like yeah. skating on the ice against like, you know, thirty different team members and shooting on like eight goalies at once. But it was like a cross between watching that Fedorov commercial and like, I don't know, like thriller or something like that. It was it was pretty cool though. Well for me for me personally, watching it, I felt so excited about the Canucks. Like it's their fiftieth season and it really felt like things are changing and it made you really, really want to watch Vancouver hockey. And and watch them kill zombies. <laughs> For me, I mean, yeah, if they're, they're, they're going to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to have to go win, I guess, like the undead Stanley Cup after that, too. Hey, Chris, speaking of 50 episodes, um, we have it down here as like a point, of, point of question, but, I mean, you've had some great guests and some really good reoccurring guests like Corey, which we all look forward to every week. Um, but how have you made so many good connections over the year? Obviously, you're a really personable guy, and you're good in a conversation, but it's not easy just to be a good talker. How have you hustled to get these people on your show? <laughs> uh, you get denied a hell of a lot. Uh, first of all, like uh, I send out a ridiculous amount of emails, but um, just making connections, you know, if you can help somebody do something, they'll, they'll probably return the favor for you with something, and that's helped out quite a bit. Uh, just, you know, making connections and asking to learn. Like, I know a big one was when I first got to go in with TSN 1040 and meet, uh, you know, Matt and Blake and, and see how everything's running the radio station, how they get guests and doing the same thing at Sportsnet 650 with, with Rintoul, just, you know, reaching out to these people and asking like, hey, can I help you do something if you help me with something? And, and a lot of people have been doing that throughout the years. And then a lot of people are also just nice. Like if, if their DMs are open, just ask. I mean, I've sent, you know, I've sent emails. I've probably sent 50 emails to Elliot Friedman in my life. I've probably DM'd him a hundred times. Wow. Uh, still waiting for him to come on the show, but I mean, maybe one day he answers that message. So just, I don't know, just keep shooting, I guess. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So there it is. Just Great firing time. shots, man. <laughs> Way to go, Michael Scott. <laughs> Michael, Michael Scott, absolutely. Well, I got to say, Chris, uh, honestly, if it wasn't for you, I probably would have never gotten uh, my shot at the Canuck way, and I probably never would have gotten to podcasting. So honestly, thank you so much for everything you do. Uh, I wouldn't be here with, if it wasn't for your podcast, man. So thank you very, very much. Thanks, man. That's awesome. I love hearing that. Yeah, I just want to kind of wrap things up with one final question. Uh, I've heard it on your podcast a few times. 11 games in, do the Canucks make the playoffs? <laughs> First of all, before we get to that, from what you just said, super, I'm super excited for what the Canuck way is coming up with. I know I was talking to Quadrelli the other day, and I heard you guys are coming up with something new in the future here, which uh, I don't know if you guys have announced yet, so I'll stay that quiet. There's yeah. something cool coming with Quadrelli, so I'm we'll excited for that. Um, second of all, are the Canucks making the playoffs? I, I was, you know, sort of negative going into the season, but they've won me over. They play good hockey. Utica's buzzing. Like, I'm on the train. Let's ride. It's playoff time. And they're going to the playoffs. They're going to the second round. Forget yeah. the playoffs. Wow. And if there's going to be... Uh, Heard it here first, folks. <laughs> if there's going to be one player of uh, the two that maybe is the bigger impact on maybe making the playoffs, do you think it's going to be Quinn Hughes or maybe Elias Pettersson? Oh, yeah. I think it's Pettersson because if... If Pedersen does take the step, I mean, if he puts up 90 points, if he gets somewhere like 35-plus goals, that's such a jump from what he actually did last year when you just think about adding that percentage of goals from what he had last year. I mean, it's such a big difference that we would we would notice just, you know, winning more games with simple fact of him putting up more points and playing with better players. I think he has the opportunity to do that. Though Quinn Hughes is going to bring such a different yes. feel to the power play that I think that, you know, it's, it's it's funny because like going into the season, I would have a hundred percent answered this question as Quinn Hughes or sorry as Elias Pettersson. But now seeing what Hughes actually looks like on power play one, and seeing how he skates the puck up, and how he's made Chris Tanev a better player, and how he's just dominated on controlling the shot share. I mean, Quinn Hughes definitely is making a case, but I still would stick with Elias Pettersson because if he gets hot, he can single handedly win games. When Quinn Hughes needs a little bit more to single handedly win a game right now, it seems like. So, would you think that? Who is the bigger steal? Was it Pedersen at five or was it Hughes at seven? Uh, yeah, I would go Pedersen at five, I think, because that that pick was tough to to 
tough to pull. I mean, it seemed like the Quinn Hughes one was easy. That was, you know, the gun was cocked and the trigger was ready. He just pulled it there. It seemed like for Pedersen, you had to dig pretty deep to find that gun to pull the trigger on him because he was a player that wasn't on a lot of people's list. I'll be honest, he wasn't on my list. He wasn't, I don't think he was in my top 10, but that's simply because I just didn't watch a lot of Swedish hockey at the time, which is probably why I've fallen in love with all Swedish hockey players now. Like, I love Eric Ladra. I think Bockfist the other year was my guy. I mean, I've had a lot of guys over the past couple of years. Soderstrom was a guy I fell in love with at the Canuck way when I was writing for them. I think I had, like, five or six articles simply just on him. So, uh, yeah, I think that I think I would go with Pedersen because it seemed like Hughes, even though, you know, it was it's almost crazy that he fell to that point. I think the Canucks reached, uh, you know, from the bias of the rest of the league looking at players to get Pedersen at five. So I would go with Patterson at five is the more better steal because I think he brings a lot to a team. All right, man, I like the take. I think you're right, though. It's been a really a love affair with 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 Canucks and Swedes just over the last like you know 30, 40 <laughs> years. It seems like that. So that's a that's a good point and a solid observation. So normally in this spot, I think we're going to ask people like you know what sage advice do you have for us moving forward? But I want to flip the script just a little bit and ask you what sage advice do you have for Mr. Jim Benning for the rest of the season? Oh, okay, I like that. Um, yeah, I think that. Right now, if you want to just give some advice to Jim Benning, what would you say? I would say um, don't change too much and don't don't like don't be forcing yourself into losing the future because the future isn't necessarily now. The future is starting to become very close, but the future isn't really now yet. I think that adding the rest of the future is going to make this team complete. I think if you look at what they have in Eric Lander, Pod Coles, and Jet Wu, Oli Olevi, some of these guys like Cole Lynn, they can be bottom six contributors and score goals in a bottom six like we haven't seen. I think once you have you know, three lines that you're very happy with, whether that's including JT Miller as a center down the road in the future, we'll see, because that might work out good with Cole Lynn and Pod Colvin coming in on third line. Like That sounds like a team that I want to compete with in the Stanley Cup. Looking at what the Canucks are right now, I mean, they've looked good, they've looked great, but I don't think this is the team exactly right now that's going to be the one that goes and wins the Stanley Cup, and I hope I'm wrong, because I damn well want a Stanley Cup in Vancouver here, so like, I'd be super happy to be wrong right now, but I think that you know this team is still a few pieces away from being considered a, a Stanley Cup contender, but those pieces are there, so don't mess it up and just keep building onto those pieces right now. I think that's good advice that he can heed, man, I think. Well, we got uh, like another 15 seconds or so before Brady, Brady walks in and wraps this thing up, but it's uh, the floor is yours. I want a shameless plug. Tell us about what you're doing and what's going on. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisFavor39. Follow the show at Canucks Convo on Twitter. I uh, just released a new series that's going to be coming out, you know, definitely a few a week called Sla- Snapshots on Canucks Army, so keep an eye out for that and uh, read Canucks Army all the time. Do that. Woo. All right, Chris, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we would love to have you again sometime. Um, we, but we know you got to uh, write the post-game tonight, so uh, <laughs> we won't keep you any longer. Yeah, thanks, boys. It's going to be a really slack uh, slack off in the second period. This is going to be like two sentences about the second period. But you guys will keep that a secret with me, right? Yeah, absolutely. We won't tell it where <laughs> Lips are sealed. All right, well, thanks for going the distance with us. Thanks, boys. Thanks, thanks for having Chris. me. Take it easy, Favor. Later, Favor. And that's pretty much it for us for the PP1 podcast. Again, I'm Braden Ursel. You can find my work at the Canuck Way, and I'm on Twitter at BKUrsel23. And you know me on Twitter, I'm Ryan, at always94, 90FOUR, and I write usually just the game days for the Canucks Army because no one else wants to read anything past that. So that's that's what I hold myself to. That's where That's where my talents lie. You can find me, Ted Wong, professional armchair quarterback, on Twitter, T3TEE3REE. Um, yeah, follow my tweets. I got lots to say on there. You may like it, you may not, but I'll be there chatting it up no matter what. Yeah, that's us. And as always, you can find us pretty much everywhere Spotify, iTunes, all the good stuff. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, Favor, we're coming for you. Hi, I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundal wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. 
Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, SayTheDamnScore.com.